welcome back to Daily Affirmation Podcast, Episode 2. The Daily Affirmation Podcast. And there goes Zeb already. I liked it. I like it. Man, Episode 2, guys, let's... I mean, let's just dive right in, man. I mean, it's it's 2022. The Georgia Bulldogs just won the natty. Woo! Amen, brother. Go dogs. Alabama, man. I love you. How about them dogs? 42 years later, and we did it. We we are sad. 41. We are sad 41? about Bob 41. Saget. We're sad about Bob Saget. Yeah, and Betty White. I'm Two? distraught over Betty White dying. Two? She could have been 100. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Sandra Atta was a huge fan because she was on the Golden Girls. So Yeah. Sandra was on the Golden Girls? Yeah, yeah, yeah she was yeah. that old. Yeah, no. she was. Golly, yeah, that's how. Yeah, that's how it is. I'll never forget her in the proposal. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, bullock. Um, yeah, guys. So we're back. We're here to give you guys another episode, and really to start us off, um, I, I would. I think we all three are speaking here when, when I say thank you because the first episode. As of right now, we have had 54 listeners on our first episode, which round of applause because I thought we were at least going to have five. Didn't didn't think we were going to hit 50. Wow. Such confidence. I mean, really, I mean, it's just because it is encouraging. I mean, we've had, and not only do we have 54, but we actually have reached other countries. And thank you to Anchor, who is the sole provider to, who also, Anchor is an app that we use for our podcast that distributes the podcast to other platforms. And so the more people we get, the more, I guess we get more listeners and we get out yeah. there. And so we have to have people in other countries. And one of them, I will name drop one, which is the good old United Kingdom. UK. 4% of our viewers. Listeners. Sorry. Listeners. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, so how you guys doing? I mean, it's 2022. It's a nice Tuesday night. I'm doing a lot better. It was a rough week last week, but I'm doing a lot better. Yeah, I feel bad. I was on Dempsey's case every other day. You were. You both were. I'll be honest. Zeb's just you. here. Y'all, y'all ignore Zeb the whole episode because up until uh, five minutes ago, he still didn't know what this episode was about. So. Hey, I recover quick, though, by God. <laughs> yeah, thanks to us. <laughs> Luckily, Dempsey's in the medical field, so he was helping Zeb. He was actually, weren't you doing resuscitation on him about five Six minutes ago from the El Pastor tacos he just ate. Yes, he was clinically brain dead, but we did uh, bring him back. I would like everyone listening to this to know I had to watch Chris just like mouth this big old taco like a whale. <laughs> like, I mean, this thing was stuffed to the okay, like, brim. I have had. It was, a, it was a new Mexican restaurant and I wanted to enjoy it. So, but, um, so guys, this episode is going to be a lot different than our first one. The first one was more of like a meet and greet. You know, just a, hey, guys, you know, how, Hi, how are, you are you doing? Hey, good. Um, this episode is going to be pretty deep. Um, it's it's about serendipity. Um, the whole point of this, this episode, the encouragement behind it is in everything, including the bad, there's always something good. Having that mindset, because as we all know, and between the three of us and the stories you're going to hear, bits and pieces of our of our instances in life recently that have really brought us to this point. Everyone is included in this on the fact that the last couple of years have sucked. I mean, really bad. We have had a global pandemic. Um, we've had some crazy stuff in politics, things overseas happen. I mean, things in our personal lives through death or near death with our own health, our own careers and jobs, everything you think of. It's been hard, but it's been good and there's been good in all of it. And that's what we're here to talk about. We're here to encourage you to see it in your own life because I know things are hard guys. We all three know that. I mean, it's not life is nasty. It's not meant to be fun all the time. It's not always going to be fun, but here at daily affirmation podcast, we are here to encourage you in that. And so, yeah, that's what we're here to do. Wow. Way to put it out there like that. I appreciate it. You know, I, I am a professional, uh-huh. professional athlete. I'm a pro golfer. Right. So. right. If, they, if they had the view I have right now, they would. <laughs> you're a scratch golfer. I'm not. Sh- I'm not shirtless this time. What'd you say? You're a scratch golfer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I scratch the club on the back of my my neck whenever I'm itching. You know, scratch golfer. Mm-hmm. Or when I scratch the ground when I fall out of the golf cart trying to bend down and grab a ball. <laughs> Whatever. So how how do you how do you guys want to dive into this? God. Well, 
jump straight into it, all right, yeah. I guess. Well, right, let's go for it. So uh, I'll ask you guys, what's one bad thing that has happened to you that you would go through again or you don't regret, and why? Hmm. Is that why don't you go first? Yeah. I, I got I got some time with that. But, uh, some go ahead. We actually have more than enough time for yeah. you to tell however <laughs> yeah. long you want. Well, okay. Well, uh, I guess it all starts in the beginning. There were the tree. I was kidding. No. God created the heavens and the earth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, uh, it was uh, in in the beginning or late beginning of 2020. I graduated college, jobless, and there wasn't a lot of jobs on the market at the time either because of COVID. And I ended up leaving a job that I'd had for three and a half years toward the end of 2020 for a new job, and I had to go go away for eight months, over two hours away. Middle of nowhere, no idea where I am, to a whole new experience. I lasted that job for 12 days. I hated it. But I went there and I learned a lot. And (laughs) yeah, I went there and I learned. It helped me grow maturity. It helped me grow through maturity and adversity. And I came back here, back home, and I got a job very similar, but not similar to one I have now. And when I went there, it was it, it was not saying easier, but it felt like more of a cakewalk because of what I'd gone through at the third job, because of the adversity I've been faced with. Why Why didn't you like when you went down to uh, what Milledgeville was? Uh, it was a uh, Forsyth, Georgia. Forsyth, that's yeah, right. middle of nowhere, Georgia. If you ever go, don't. But uh, lovely it. <laughs> I would say I'd never been faced with that level of discipline before at any job I ever had. And that it was a whole new level. And it was also the first time I ever, ever felt on my own. Like I didn't really have a safety net there anymore. I didn't have my friends. I didn't have my family. You had a sandbag, though. Yeah, I did have we a Talk about your sandbag. I still have my sandbag. <laughs> <laughs> sandbag number Number 27. What was his name? Did you ever have a name for it? Number 27. Yeah. <laughs> Number 27. Number 27. Yeah. No, it was a, it was an experience. It, it was, you know, it, it's nothing compared to what guys in the military have gone through, but they, it, it got close for me. Men, it's the mental strain, the stress. I had never been faced with that much stress in my life. It was. It, I remember it was, it was hard on you. It was different. And I think that was part of the reason I left that job is I had that stress level I had never felt before. And I I said no. I was I couldn't do it. And then I came back here and applied somewhere else closer to home. And it's been almost a year. March will be a year now. And I will say I have excelled dramatically since then. I agree. And I think I've grown as a person. But only because of the experience I had. In Forsyth. So would you, like Dempsey said, would you would you do it all again? I will. Knowing the outcome you have now. I would. I would definitely do it again. Because I'm not the person. I do not believe I would be the person I am today with the same mental toughness and maturity I have now without going through that experience, without feeling that level of stress. I don't think I could do it. Yeah. yeah. I think I would... Because I hear about a lot of people in my line of work quitting because of the stress and they feel, you know, that gets to them mentally and there's a danger aspect. And I, I don't think that without going through some kind of metamorphosis, you can, I don't think you can last. You have to grow. Yeah, it's like you don't have a choice. You have to grow yourself. You especially, have to force yourself to grow. Especially when you were in that environment of being alone. I mean, you you really. I mean, besides us checking on you and your family, you were alone. You feel you're alone. My first when I went to bed that night, I I had never felt the level of fear in that moment. Yeah, because I didn't know what was going to happen the next day. It was it was fear, but I grew because of it. And I came back stronger. And I think that's that's the point. And that's why I do it again, because I know of what it can do to a person. And I've seen the good. good. Yeah. Well, for me, um, I moved back home from college. I was living in 
Louisville, Kentucky, and I moved back home around, I think it was like March of 2020 because COVID had just started heightening and hitting its peak at the time. And that was back when we literally thought like the world was going to end. Like people were so scared. They're buying out the shelves. There's no gas anywhere, hardly. Like it was pretty, it was pretty dang scary. And I remember, um, I got home, started getting comfortable, was bouncing from job to job, trying to figure out what to do because my whole point of going to Louisville was I'm going to be a pastor. That is my calling. Not that I don't feel called to do that again one day, but at the time I was like, that is it. And then I got there, didn't work out, came home and was really in a bad place at the time. Well, I had started dating Sandra. We'd been dating for maybe four or five months. There was a lot we didn't know about each other. We were still learning a lot. And my sister was pregnant at the time with my now baby niece. And she was, I think she was two months before her due date. And Kayla had started seeing really, really high spikes in her blood sugar. I remember one night she was at the house and her blood sugar was like almost 600. Like it was bad. Like she should have been dead. Like she should have been in a coma. Like people, like when your blood sugar is like 200 people go into comas. And so... One night, she, my mom called me and said, hey, don't freak out. Your sister is going to the ER. She went to her baby doctor. They checked her blood sugar and said, like, you need to go to the hospital. Like, you are going to lose your child and your own life if you don't do something. So, she and she didn't have a history of diabetes either, so it was very different. Well, she got there, and they were just like, oh, you're okay. We're going to put you in a room, in like in a normal hospital room, not in the ICU, just a normal room. You know, Kayla was kind of throwing up a little bit, and they thought that was kind of part of the – they thought it was coming from her blood sugar being so high. And they put her on, like, an IV drip for insulin. And they were very – they were slowly giving her insulin but monitoring her because they obviously didn't know if her body was producing it or not. They didn't know what was going on. Well, then I got a phone call. I was at my parents' house looking at the dogs or taking the dogs out for them, and my little brother calls me crying. And I remember I answered the phone and I said, yo. And he was like, you need to get up to the hospital now. And I said, why? And they said, and the doctors told my parents that Kayla wasn't going to make it. And I'm telling you this, it went from zero to a hundred that fast. It wasn't like a, oh, she's going to the ICU now. Oh, here's a new update. Oh, here's a new update. So much stuff was going on that my parents were so focused on her. They couldn't really focus on us as much as they wanted to. And so... I call Sandra and I'm like, hey, we need to go up to the hospital. It was literally like, I'm pretty sure it was super late at night or it was getting late. We go up there. My dad is crying. And let me tell you this. My father is an incredible man. My whole life, I've looked at him as like a hero. I've looked at him as someone who does not back down. He is true grit. He's tough, nose to the grindstone kind of man, a good, good man. When I see him cry, I know something really bad is happening. I know that it is time for me to try to step up and be a good son and a good sibling and try to help everyone out. And that's just the role that I always have taken, and I, or I've tried to at least. And so my dad's like, son, you need to go pray with Kayla. She's not doing good. The doctors came back, and they told us she's getting put on, and they were telling us that her enzymes, her enzymes were like 6,000. I mean, she had the craziest numbers I've ever heard of in the medical. And I'm not in the medical field by any means, but I've ever heard of. And the baby was slowly, they thought the baby was going to die. And then she was struggling and her heart rate was resting so high because not only was her body working for her, but it was also fighting for the baby. And so all this stuff was going on. And basically they were t- the, the, all, the only thing I could think of was I have a few more moments of my sister before she passes. And she's basically high on drugs. She can't tell what's going on. I went to go pray over it. I just started losing it. I was crying. And my dad grabbed a hold of me and said, be strong for her. Like, even though she could really not tell what was going on, be strong for her. And let me tell you all something. Walking in that room and seeing her on a ventilator and her body contracting because it's fighting against the ventilator and seeing her, I mean, eyes rolling around. She doesn't know what's going on. She's so out of it and she's dying. And all I can think is, how, like, why is this happening to me? Like, why is God putting me in this moment? Why is this happening? And so fast forward, 
Kayla ended up dying on the operating table. They came in the room and said, we have to take the child. We have to take the baby. It's either we take the baby and take the risk of the baby dying and Kayla dying along with it, or they're both going to die anyways. It's like, it was, it was a very hard decision. It's not like they were saying they were aborting the child or aborting. They weren't aborting mini Joe. They were just saying, we have to take the baby out by C-section right now, or they're both gone. So do you want us to take the chance or not? And my dad said, absolutely take the chance. We want my daughter to live. Take the chance. That's all we got. Well, they took the baby. Kayla died on the operating table for, I think, six or seven minutes. We didn't know at the time. They waited to tell us after everything calmed down because it was very, very, I mean, it was crazy. And Kayla ended up going to the hospital, and now she's a type 1 diabetic. She has heart problems for the rest of her life. Um, there's t- I mean, even right now, her heart's only working at like 40%. And so, but through that whole situation, it made me stronger as a man and it made me, I, I really truly believe it made me better, a, a better man because I care more for my family now and my friends. And I try to be that much more intentional because it was so scary. I mean, it was one of those situations where Sandra, I felt so bad for her because we had barely been dating and she came to my house to stay with me until like three in the morning before she went back home. And I was just on the bed bawling. I was blaming myself for everything. I was so pissed. I was mad. I was like, why is this happening? And the whole time she was just like, it's okay. Like God is good. And every time she said that, and 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 I've always been the kind of person when in bad moments, when people say stuff like that, I get mad because it just feels like, why are you not worried about me? Like, why, why are you not worried about the situation at hand? Like you're worried about everything's okay. And so I really believe that because of that, and I wouldn't necessarily go through that experience again in a sense of making my sister go through the experience or my family, but I'm glad we did because now every time my family's together, it's that much sweeter and it makes our, our memories are more treasured and we have a beautiful baby niece who has made me realize that I need to get ready to be a father one day and be a better man and a husband eventually. And so it makes me step up if that makes any sense. And it was, like Seb said, it was hard. Like it was, and I, even in the hospital with my family, I felt alone because I was going out into the hallway and I was trying to stay in the room and be strong. And anytime I had a spell of, Oh my gosh, I'm about to start bawling my eyes out or I, I'm about to have a freaking panic attack. I would go out in the hallway and be alone. And it was hard. And so, yeah, and, and, I'm, and I'm glad it happened because it allowed me to see something that traumatic to make changes in my own life and grow up. And so, yeah. What about you, mm-hmm. Dempsey? Well, uh, with yourself. Yeah, so very similar to Zeb. I graduated in May of 2020. My, I graduated with a business degree, okay, because for the longest time I was, I'd been convinced that making a lot of money is going to be how I am happy throughout my life. So I got my business degree. My, my very first job out of college is in insurance sales. I got my insurance license. My first day on the job, I knew it was not for me. I had a cold call. I don't even remember. It was probably about 10 people. And I got through three calls and I was just sitting there. I was praying. I was like, God, I hope they don't answer. I don't want to bother these people. Um, I, I don't want to pressure them, you know, cause you got to call them up. Yeah, like, I'm going to be in your area tomorrow morning at such and such time. And, you know, it's like, Hey, can I stop by and, you know, chit chat with you about all this? And people just want to be left alone. I get that. I'm the same way. So it was, it went against everything in my being to do that. But I called them all. Obviously didn't have any success. Not that it was expected to. They were just doing that to get us prepared, you know, trained on how to do it. Uh, I went in second day. I drove down to Atlanta into the office and I told the guy who was in charge of training. I said, this is just not for me. I said, I I know immediately this job is not going to be for me. So I was like, this is going to be my last day. Well, then I went through several months, I don't even remember how long it was, uh, where I was unemployed. That is tough. That is really tough because that was the first time 
in first time since I was about 14 that I hadn't had a job. Yeah. I mean, I consistently we played a lot of Minecraft. <laughs> we played a lot of video games, oh, which dude. it was fun. Yeah. But I remember God that made me feel so worthless. It's like, is this all I can do is play video games? Yeah. Still living at home with my parents. Feeling like a bum, just just a parasite almost leeching off of them. Now, luckily, I've been blessed with great parents who are very supportive. Uh, so after a few months, I finally got a job at a big, big-name retailer. Uh, I was working in their distribution plant. I ended up at that job for about six months. I was working weekend night shift. So a little bit about that, you know, Four nights, do four nights a week. Yeah, yeah, Chris was in a similar boat. He worked that yeah. job for a little bit. Yeah, don't do it. Um, four nights a week, 10-hour shifts, and they don't care about you one bit. You are a number, and all you are there for is the bottom line. And you get you get replaced quick. So it was kind of like a – Quick. I remember. The churn there is insane. And we didn't work there at the same time either. No, I started, what, like a month after you? Yeah, you came in. I remember you were like – should I do this just like temporarily? And I was like, just get ready, brother. <laughs> get ready for the fire, man. It wasn't a hard job or anything. No, it wasn't. But it was hard. Man, it took to a toll. With. Yeah. Being it, on night shifts, having no social life. And, and especially yeah. for weekend nights when everybody else was I had free. Weekdays. You had yeah. weekends. And even, even weekdays on the weekends, you could barely do a lot because you were like so tired. I know. It's just, and you worked when we were all free. I remember it was, it was, we never saw you. Yeah. Well, it was tough. So, what, that's why, once again, if Minecraft I saw you, it was essential. because I took, <laughs> if I saw y'all, it was because I took PTO. Because you didn't have 10 points. <laughs> you would take a I got pretty close when I'm falling in love. Take a twofer. Um, I'm got a twofer. I'm not sure I could ever work a job like that. Just those oh, kind it, of distribution jobs. You it don't just want seems to. so mind numbing. It made it's me definitely realize. not for everybody. Those of you out there who are working, in warehouses doing these kind of shifts. I applaud you. I, I appreciate your work. I, I cannot do it. That is horrible. Like I would rather, I was about to say be a manager of a gas station, but even then actually, no, I would, I, I like people. I would rather be no in any other environment because that's it's 10 tough. hours is a long time for me not to talk to anybody. Try working 12. Luckily we didn't have 12. I was about yeah, to but say. you get to interact with people. I do. I do. Get to it's not always pleasant conversations, <laughs> yeah, but at least say. you get to talk to them. I yeah, did you, meet, I did meet someone that does work at Lowe's distribution the other night. They are out of jail now, but you know, they were there. Like two hours. Not bad. No. Well, I'm proud of them. Yeah. But anyways, so during all this time, it was a little bit before I had graduated. My grandmother, um, and I was very, very close to my grandmother. Uh, she, she did not raise me. My parents raised me, but she was there every step of the way for me. And she, she definitely helped my parents raise me. I spent a lot of time at my grandparents' house. I loved going over there. Um, I was, I'm really close with. I was really close with my grandmother and I'm really close to my grandfather, luckily. But she was diagnosed with mesenteric ischemia, which is essentially a blood clot in the artery that feeds your intestines. Um, and she also had kidney failure, which she did not tell anybody in the family. But when she was diagnosed, it was probably about April, I would say. We didn't know how long she was going to live. The long-term prognosis is not good. Most people don't live beyond about two years, I believe. I think a five-year outlook is extremely low, like single digits for most of these people. And it is a brutal way to go because essentially it becomes so painful for you to eat that you, you're, you're essentially your body's just going to shut down. You're, and towards the end, her... Her bowels, her intestines had died, and they were essentially disintegrating in, while she was still alive. But I will never forget, and that was tough, seeing her suffer. I, that, that took a toll on me because I couldn't do anything for her. And after everything she had done for me, and she was one of my biggest supporters, and I couldn't do anything to help her, that was tough. And I'll never forgive myself for this, but I hated going over there to their house to see her like that. 
Yeah, it's it hard. broke my heart to see her in that condition. I hated going over there because I, when I went over there, I had to face that reality. My first interview with where I currently work was the day of her funeral. That was tough. That was really tough for me to wake up in the morning after a full weekend shift, literally two or three hours of sleep, get up, go, go to an interview, 30 minutes, an hour. I don't even remember how long it was at this point. Go home, change into a suit, and then go to my grandmother's funeral. That was essentially rock bottom for me that day. That was one of the toughest days that I've had. The bright side of that is somehow, <laughs> I really don't know how, but somehow I knocked that interview out of the park. They gave me a second interview. They hired me. Very grateful. Um, I, I work with a lot of great people. We, we do a lot of good work, in my opinion. We've changed a lot of lives, and I've seen that personally, and that's awesome. Yeah. But all, of, all throughout this, working at Lowe's Distribution, uh, being unemployed, seeing my grandmother go through all this, it just was telling me that the career path that I was going down, the, the path that I was on, was not the right one for me. I needed something more, Okay. And all throughout my childhood, I thought, I'm going to join the Army and I'm going to be a medic because I want to help those people in need, okay? I always wanted to join the Army. I was fascinated with it because most guys are. They like to blow stuff up, shoot at something. You know, That's every Call guy's duty. dream. Call of Duty does it to us. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's everybody's dream. But I wanted to be the guy that's helping those in need, okay? I wanted to take on that responsibility. When I graduated high school, I decided, no, I don't want to join the Army anymore. I'm going to go into business. Well, all of that basically made me refocus on what my priorities were, what my passion was. And ironically, it was Zeb who jokingly said, while we were playing video games one night, he said, why don't you be a doctor? And that is what made me consider it more. I don't remember ever He is that. the idea yeah. guy. Yeah. He is the idea see, guy. Yes. See, guys, Zeb changes lives right there. Yeah. I, I have. Not the you were the first one. Forget the whole story Dempsey said. This is all going back to Zeb Chase's life. Woo. All about me. <laughs> so, he didn't yeah. even know it. <laughs> didn't even know it. He's, he didn't actually, know. He's, he's blushing right now. We should call this Zeb's Daily Affirmation it was, podcast. Yeah, we'll, we'll change. Yeah, we'll <laughs> yeah. Forget, scratch that. But yeah. Yeah. Don't worry. We'll change it. <laughs> I mean, I did, uh, I did also bring Chris and Sandra together as well. So, I mean. Yeah, this is. is your world. We're living in it. We know. I've built. I've built. Yeah. Things. Actually, it was actually built different. You created the podcast. You just invited us on. This is actually our last episode. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> but he didn't even know. And I, I didn't really take it seriously at first. But the more I thought about it, I was like, well, I'd been thinking about getting back into healthcare or getting into healthcare, I should say. And I didn't know how I wanted to do it. But the more I thought about being a doctor, I was like, okay, I can diagnose. I can find the problem, how to treat the problem, and then help those who really need it. And I thought, well, that that's really intriguing to me because I didn't I was not able to do that for my grandmother. I had no idea what was going on. You know, I, I couldn't diagnose that, no way. Um, definitely couldn't tell you how to treat it. Of course, obviously it was essentially untreatable. You can only do pain management. Um, but if you do enough preventive medicine, which I believe her primary care doctor failed at, um, they could have caught it sooner and potentially treated it. But through all that, that's what made me decide about being a doctor and I want to get into family medicine. So, and I've, I'm going back to school. I'm going to start back in summertime, June, uh, May or June. Uh, I got to go back, take some prereqs, and then I'm going to take the MCAT, start applying for medical schools. Uh, but none of this would be possible had I not gone through what I did. And 100% would go through it again, even though it was the toughest thing that I've ever had to experience. Just not not physically, nothing like that. Just emotionally, the toll that it took on me. I would go through it again because I'm in a much better headspace now. I feel like my life is on track for the first time in a long time. 
a long time. And I feel like I'm, I'm finally at peace with myself that I'm doing the right thing. I love my job now. Um, it's in physical therapy. Uh, that's not ultimately what I want to get into, obviously, but I can still, I can still make a difference in people's lives. And that is, that is massive to me. That is what brings me joy in my life is waking up, getting to know these people and them appreciating me. Tell me, you know, we appreciate the work that you do. You've changed my life and coming in and seeing these people come in in a wheelchair or walker. And then a couple months later, they're able to walk in on their own. No limp, no anything, just fine. And they walk out that door and hopefully you never have to see them again. But they can go live normal lives because of the work we did. That brings joy to me. So I would go through everything I did 100%. I would do it again. And so after hearing all these stories, I mean, which is awesome. I mean, it's, I'm glad we all have came out on top, it seems like, from this. Um, and that's the point of this episode. Um, and that's what we're trying to encourage you is serendipity is there is good in everything, even the bad. And a lot of times we have something bad like grandmother's passing away or having moments of life and you have no clue where you're supposed to go next or trying to pour into a job and it just not working out and sickness and health and all these things that we're going to experience probably a thousand more times in our life, unless our last day is today or tomorrow. And so it's the big thing to focus on is number one, how do we do it? Number two, once you see the good, how do you apply it? I mean, and you, we can go through 15 different steps and really the, again, the whole point of this episode is try to encourage you guys, especially going into 2022 because 2020 was, was crazy 2021 was crazy, but to me, not as bad. I mean, it had its bad moments, but in a sense of not personally, just worldwide. And now 2022, going into this, how do we focus? How do we change our lens and our focus from the bad that we see every day? Because we're human. If we're being honest here, we all complain. We all gossip at some point. We all focus on bad because it's hard not to. I mean, if we all if we all three, just us three right here, sat down and did a podcast on, hey, let's name every single bad thing in our life, <laughs> it would be a 15-hour-long podcast. And But then I guarantee you if you said, let's talk about all the good, I know between us three we could come up with a lot. I mean, we're blessed. And so I guess my question would be, how do we find good in every situation if we are to boldly claim there's good in everything. Serendipity. Focus on that. How, how do we do it? How do you find it? That is, that's a lot. That's a lot to think about. Um, the way that with encouragement or serendipity, whatever you want to call it, this, the way out. I like to think of it as your way out, your way out of the bad. You got to find, for me, it was finding something new to focus on. You know, because I focused on one thing for about probably about six months when I got my new job. When I went out of college, got my new job. It was yeah. state trooper school. For those that don't know, it was that's where I went to. And, yeah, but uh, nothing. Yeah, those guys do a great job, but job wasn't for me. But it's finding a new focus, finding something that you want to do. For me, I did go back to policing. I didn't totally do a one eighty like some people do. Some people they'll do a job and hold field. I'm like, I hate that field. I'm going to sell insurance. God help those people. But, you know, and it's horrible. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. Being, I've, I think me and Dipsy both have tried to be salesmen. And it, it's just uh, not for me. That ain't, that ain't my forte either. It's nope. No, but it's finding a new focus. And for me, that was, I live in the area. I like where I live. And I want to be active in my community. That brought me back to my home. And that was my new focus. And the way I look, your focus constantly shifts. You get a new job and, you know, you find something you're good at in that job. And you want to get good at that one specific thing. But it takes time to find your niche. 
And so that's kind of where I put it, like from a job world or from coming out of a, a bad situation, find your niche, find that one thing you can grasp onto and kind of let that pull you out of it. Like kind of like a, yeah, like they, they have these flotation devices, like a life, life, life preserver, life saver, whatever the things are on the ship. The big, round, the big round thing on Titanic. Yeah. I didn't do anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this thing does, but you throw them, like I've used one before. It's, you throw it and you can, it has a rope attached to it and you pull them in. You know, I think of that, you grab your, your niche or whatever you're trying to focus on. Your focus is that life saver. Grab it and let it pull you in. Pull you to safety. Pull you out yeah. of wherever you got to be in. Look at you and your imagery. I feel like right now I'm floating in the water. And I'm just. You're drowning. Chris is drowning. And I look at shirtless, redheaded Zab just tossing me one of these lifesavers. And I just hear him say, come to me. I'll show Running you. Running at you like David Hasselhoff. I, I, got, I got one. <laughs> little, little, little floppier. Just uh, a little bit. Not as coordinated. Uh, but a little shorter. I got. Little, I'll bring it next time we record. And sometimes a little angrier. Is that can be a little? He can be an angry little. I got. Sometimes. I got two moods. I like to think about. I'm either excited or I'm pissed off. Two moods. But he wants to encourage you to find the good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's two things. Like sometimes I'm both, and it's pretty wild, you know. But yeah, Zeb's just weird. Yeah, something like that. What about you, Dempsey? What is? What would you say is? Whether it's your specific way or a way you think anyone could do it to find a, the good thing, like like you said with your grandmother. I, I would say, and a very cliche answer, ask yourself why. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why is this happening to me? Just why, you know, how, how can I better my situation? Why is this happening to me? Dissect it. And then from there, you can determine if you need to change courses, continue on the path that you're going down, whatever you need to do, but you need to get to the root cause. And that you have to do by asking yourself why, why you are in the position you're in. So obviously when you're breaking it down, you want to look for the good in a situation. Okay. I just got let go from work. Okay, well, that's that's awful. You know, that's not a good feeling. Yeah, that literally happened to me with Comcast. Yeah, it's awful. Yeah. But maybe you can sit back and say, well, that company wasn't great to work for anyways. I can find another one. I can find a better one. You know, sometimes you you get comfortable with the situation you're in, even though it may not be a good situation, you get used to it and you get comfortable and you don't look for the bright side. You don't look for greener pastures. So sometimes if you can ask yourself why and then think, okay, I need to change the path that I'm on. Well, I, you can find the good side in that. Yeah, 100%. And it is hard. I mean, I'm not, I'm not making these statements as if like, oh, you're just going to be able to hear this episode and go, Wow. I now see good in everything. <laughs> it's like, and and to be honest with you, where this idea came from for me years ago, um, someone, I was just going through a lot. I was a, a, your typical 20, 21-year-old young male. I'm sure females probably go through the same thing, where didn't know where I was going. Everyone was going off to college. All my friends had left. I was partying, drinking it up taking every advantage I can of the opportunity to try to find something to fill that void of what to do next and got called by God into an internship that completely changed my life. And I had the best people to do it with. And in that internship, somewhere along the way, someone just said, Hey, what if you focused on the good and quit complaining? Like quit because for a little while and everyone is at fault for this. Cause we all do this. There was a moment of time where, all I could do was talk about how bad my life was because that's what it felt like. It's really, truly, I was super depressed, and that's how it felt. It felt like nothing was good. And he said, why do you keep doing that? Like, what if you just focused on the good? And I asked him, I was like, how, how do you do that? And just like we're saying this now, and for me, how do I find a good in every situation? Um, I start, and I know this sounds really vague, but I'm going to explain it. I look for it. 
and by that I mean this, in a situation like we were, we were, we've all said, uh, for me it was my sister dying in the hospital and coming back. How do you look for good in that? Okay, so what I did was I stopped. Number one, I thought, okay, God is in this. He's got a hold of this. He's doing cool things with it, and he is sovereign, and he is faithful, and he does everything for the glory of himself and the good of man. And so, and it sounds crazy, and we're not about to get into a theological debate or some topic here, but even if Kayla wouldn't have made it, there was still good in that somehow. And I don't know because she's still here, so I couldn't tell you what would have been good in that, but I started to sit back and think what good thing came from Kayla going through that. Number one, she has gotten healthier. Like she's, she's lost much of weight. She's a little bit happier of a person. She has problems still in life like everyone does, but she's happier. We have the greatest blessing to our family thus far, which is a beautiful baby niece who is hilarious, has a crazy Holderfield personality, as we all do. I mean, she's loud. Oh, she's she's loud. She's she's not obnoxious because she's adorable, but she's loud. She's funny. She's has a big attitude. She'll grow into it, I'm sure. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I'm sure. And she's just incredible to watch. And every time I look at her. She is what I looked for and what I grabbed onto when it came to the good is that life, that child. I mean, she has brought so much joy to me and my family. I have watched my dad. If many people or some people don't know this, but not even not that long after Kayla got out of the hospital, we found out that my dad had cancer. He had thyroid cancer. And at the time we just knew he had cancer. We didn't know how bad or severe it was. Luckily, it was, I mean, it was bad enough we had to take his thyroid out, but he's fine. He's healthy. He's doing great. And I got to watch him watch her grow up and him help raise her with my sister and help take care of them. And if it wasn't for me and Joe being around, I don't think my dad, I mean, he would not be the same person through that process of cancer and worrying about our family. He would have been so much more depressed and so much more miserable. And, and it's just cool. And I think that you the person who's listening to this podcast know this again we've told you in the first episode we're here for you guys and we'd love to hear some of your stories you know feel free to message us we have an email it's daily affirmation podcast at gmail.com and honestly i'm not even afraid contact me i'll give you my personal number i mean i won't give you my address not yet because <laughs> last four of your social yeah last four of my social <laughs> I'll give you my bank account. I don't have, I'm not made of money. My friends know this. Not made of money, but I'll give you what I got. Um, but I do encourage you, you know, focus on the good. Like, try to find it because your life will be so much more joyful. You will be happier. And no one likes being sad. I mean, no one does. And you're going to be. I'm not telling you this to tell you that, hey, this will eliminate the bad in your life. You will never be sad. But I'm telling you, it's easier to get through something when you have something to grab onto, and that's the good. And there's a lot of different ways that can come. So, I mean, and it's hard. Life, Like I said before, life sucks. It gets nasty, yep. and it's not. Negative thoughts breed more negative thoughts, and vice versa, good thoughts breed more oh, good yeah. thoughts. And the more negative thoughts you have, I mean, you're going to keep focused on negativity. And a lot of times we do it subconsciously. Like we don't even know that we're doing it until we know that we're doing it. I mean, I'm sure all three of us in the three situations we said, we probably didn't even realize at first what was going on. And then now looking back on it, we see how hard those things were, but what good fruits came from it. How you doing, Zeb? You're just sitting there, man. We're all are y'all tired as y'all as tired as I am because I've been struggling. I got five hours of sleep last night. I'm wide awake. I didn't go to bed till one. I just I mean, game ended midnight. I couldn't sleep for another hour. I was too hyped up. I went to bed at five in the morning. I'm doing great. Yeah, the game the game was hype. I went I don't I Yeah, you probably woke up at four. Three, but close. But yeah, no. uh, you're definitely a night shift. You're not allowed to be on this topic of being I'm tired. I don't, I don't ever get tired. Zeb, you had a question that you came up yeah. with that you would like to ask. Which one? I have a few. <laughs> well, the one I'm thinking of is, what would what do you do if you can't find the good? 
what when you can't find the good, when a bad situation happens, like we've talked about, our horrible, horrible, horrible things we've all been through, and we find these good and we tell these great personal stories out of it. Let's say that you, the listener, go through a terrible situation, whether that be a divorce, a family death, losing a job, I don't know, and you can't find the good. Like, you can't find that positive outlook, you know? What do you do? That's a that's a good question. I mean, I think we can all give our own personal answers, and really, I don't know. The only thing I could really say to that would be, whatever that situation may be, you know, maybe try and find the good in a different situation. What, you know, if your one of your parents passed away, okay, that that's I mean. Trying to find the good, and that's tough. I mean, that's it's tough. It's going to feel impossible. I've never been there, but I couldn't imagine. Yeah, look, I mean, I haven't been in that situation. Life insurance, typically. That's not the good. Only good you can really get out of that is monetary at most, and usually it's even not. Inheritance, yeah. yeah. That's the good. <laughs> You're absolutely no. terrible. I, I, if well, my just, dad died, I would like, not be worried about his I'm life insurance. I'm just saying, insurance. like, legitimately, there is. Thank you, AT&T, but sorry, I'm good. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, legitimately, there is, in those kind of situations, especially life or death, that usually the way the world is, that is how monetary things, like money, that is really what the world does to kind of slap a Band-Aid on that kind of stuff. It's not, you know, hug, counseling. No, no, it's here's some money, shut up, and go on with your life. That That is how our world works. So to defer away from the wrong way. Yeah, we're trying it. to break down that norm then. Yeah, let's uh, let's focus but on what we stand for, which is encouragement. <laughs> we're not encouraging you to go give someone money just because they're sad. But try and find yeah. the good in something else. What what else can you work on? Is there something in your personal life that you can work on that you can prove? Whether it be go to the gym. Uh, maybe, maybe when your parents, let's say when your parents died, it's okay. You have, let's say you have kids. Okay, I can be a better father or I can be a better mother. I There's something that I can improve on. You know, just whatever your worldview is, take a step back and try and find something else that you can work on. Something that will take your mind off that situation that you can really put your mind to. You know, does that make sense? So work to achieve something else if you can't find a good reason for whatever bad situation you may, may be in. Yeah. And for me, I would say to all of you listening, um, what if you can't find it? Okay. That's fine. But I would say sometimes it might just come to you. It might not be as easy or as simple as finding it. I mean, there might be a situation at hand that it may not even occur to you that there's a good thing in it for years to come. I know that, one cool thing that happened to me, and I know I say cool, but it was terrible, is the loss of Colton Rude. We had an incredible, humble, amazing, super goofy guy who I love dearly and I miss every single day. I think about him literally every single day. And he passed away um, when I was turning 20. He was 19. He was a 19-year-old kid. He hadn't even gotten to live life yet. And... For whatever reason, God had a different plan. And Colton was in a motorcycle wreck, and he died. And I remember the week leading up to going to his funeral, a ton of our friends came into town, people who had been scattered from going to college and stuff, came back home. And it was like, it was so cool seeing our community come back together. And then when we got to his funeral, let me tell you all this, and I'm not trying to say it like it's a bragging thing. Colton had the biggest funeral I've ever seen in my life. The line driving out of Northside Church across from the Armurchy High School, going to the funeral the, or the graveyard that's by the Rome Cinemas. By the time we got to the Walmart red light, the end of the line came out of the parking lot at Northside. Do you realize how far the line that is? That is hundreds of cars. I mean, if Colton was alive today and I was able to talk to him, I would say, dude, I'm proud of you for the influence you have because he brought so many people together. And at his funeral, there was like, what, 20, 23, 26 people got saved. And one of the people that got saved, and I'm not going to name drop him, but he was a friend of mine 
who I prayed about for so long to find Christ. And it was unfortunate, but Colton's death brought that to him. Colton's death was not in vain. He didn't die and just get buried and his family tragically deal with it and his friends deal with it. And that was it. There was awesome things that came from it. And that's one of those things like I didn't go looking for good because in that moment, it's like someone just died. Like this isn't cool. Like this is not, it, it doesn't feel like death is real until it happens at your doorstep. And in about a couple of years, it hit me. It made me a better person because just like with Kayla, I knew, hey, it's time for me to step up and start being more intentional because you never know when your last day is going to be or the person that you're with's last day. And so my encouragement on that is don't even just focus on finding it. You know, I know I say, you know, look for it, try to focus on that good. But if you can't find it, don't be, don't be discouraged because it'll come. It will. I mean, I really do believe that. Um, I would just like to say, you know, we've, we've focused a lot on death as a bad situation for an example. So I'm going to give maybe a different example, but still pretty bad. Let's say you're in high school and you're being bullied. That's, that's pretty tough. Okay. Yeah. yeah. How do you bounce back from that? Well, for a lot of people, not everybody, but a lot of people, um, maybe you join a jujitsu class, join wrestling, you know, something that'll teach you how to defend yourself, karate, you know, whatever, martial arts, whatever. You start getting good at it. So you can fight back, you can defend yourself. You beat the crap out of the bullies. Right. Yeah, I'm that's always, I always, oh, that's not really hey, going? stand up for oh, okay. yourself because nobody else will. Um, but maybe that camaraderie that you will get in those martial arts settings, because let me tell you, that's a brotherhood in a lot of those places. Yeah. Maybe that, no, that's the good that comes out of it. Somebody that will accept you for who you are. Maybe you're struggling with that in high school. Or the good outcome could be the person bullying could have something going on and then it gets solved. Yeah. There's a lot. I mean, there's so many avenues you could go with any story, any out, any situation. There could be 20 outcomes. But, I mean, with with bullying and those kind of issues, I mean, I would say I'm not ill-equipped for that. But at the same time. I don't, it's a tough. That's a tough thing because I mean I went through bullying in high school, but I think everyone goes through at least a little bit of it at some point. But also, it makes you, I think, a better person in the end, depending on how you how you deal with it, how you cope. That's a big part of that. Your coping mechanisms. Yeah. So to kind of build off what you just said, though, like, what's y'all's source of personal encouragement? Like, what 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 gets y'all through? Your tough days, your worst days. Oh, man. Um, what gets me through my worst days? Seb, why don't you take this one? Okay. Wow. Pass. <laughs> wow. Okay. I mean, that's easy sorry, for me. Sorry. If have... you hear me coughing, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm, I'm not sick. I just don't know why I've been coughing. Wow. Oh, well, you were sick. You were. I was sick. I did just get over a sickness, and you can still kind of hear it, but. No. Yeah, well, maybe Go. you need some personal encouragement over there to not get sick, Chris. Yeah, but um, appreciate it. Yeah, but this my personal <coughs> encouragement is, you know, everyone. Some people say this themselves, and I really, I'm, I'm glad, you know, that people have that. But mine would be people I work with, and you know, a lot of people I work with are really they're when you have a new person. You know, it's, you have to find your rhythm, especially if you work in a team of people, you have to find your rhythm with those people and where your place is. For me, there's about three people that I work with on a daily that I find they're kind of role models. They're my, I want to be like them one day. As Dempsey said, your sensei. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Nah, one of them, yeah, but one of them is my boss, but cause I think he is a great person. He is something to strive for in my career but and the other two you know they each each have different qualities that i want to work toward that it makes me look at them and go i want to be like them one day and that's kind of my inspiration 
for my growth. If I look at them and I go, I want to be like them one day. And so I have to continue to keep working at it. Now, albeit I'm new to what I do. I've only been doing it about a year now. And, you know, it, it takes time to kind of figure out what you want to do, what you want to focus on. You know, like I was saying earlier, that focus that you grasped and dragged you out of the bad. We're not being dragged out of the bad. I'm being more dragged out of the unknown at this point. I have to find my focus and what I want to do. And from there, I need to really hone in on those specific skill sets to make me a better person while also trying to be an all-around better employee and better at my job. I guess that's kind of my, my it's very career, my growth and my source of encouragement is very career-based for me. And I know that's not everyone. Some people, it's personal lives. It's your spouse, girlfriend, boyfriend, children, parents. But my source, I guess from a family perspective, though, well, my mom has been a huge source of encouragement for me over the years. Yeah, old Kendra. Yeah, something like that. Oh, moving on to that. but um, For me, um, my source of personal encouragement is looking at where I've came from and looking at where I could be. And that's a big one for me. Um, you'll get to hear my story more and more, and I'm not saying mine's any more special than anyone else's. I mean, I'm only 25 years old, but I've had – a lot of stuff happened in my life for a 25 year old, in my opinion, um, good and bad. And I just, I look at what I've been through and I'm so blessed. I mean, I, I just, I am, I have the best friends surrounded by me, including two of these guys here with me. And I couldn't ask for more. I have a girlfriend who has a complete unconditional love for me, who serves, serves me well, who encourages me well, who understands me better than anyone. Um, and I have a parents who, I mean, everyone says this, but I truly believe that my parents are some of, if not the best parents this world has to offer. I mean, the way they are as a, as a, as a team. And then my siblings, I love my siblings, even when they act stupid. And even when I act stupid, like those, those people, all these things I'm saying are, the source of my encouragement. It's seeing these changes in people's lives and even this podcast, hopefully reaching you guys, is a source of my own encouragement. I mean, it's I love to see the success in others and see them strive because it makes me want to keep going. It makes me want to see where I can go. And when, it, when things are really bad, I just have to take a step back and look at other people and look at them. Not for the, and if they're doing bad, it makes me want to go help them because I'm like, hey, I don't have help right now. I want to help you. Maybe you'll bring me some. You know, what about you, old Dempsey? Well, my, my source of personal encouragement, if I would say, is really me. Um, and the reason why I say that is because I'm my own worst enemy a lot of times. I get in my own head way more than anybody else does. I overthink a lot of stuff. Um, I am the biggest critic of myself. There's a lot of things that I need to work on. I mean, said I've come a long way, but there's still a lot of, a lot of things that I should work on in my personal life. So when I get down and I, quite frankly, I get, I get beat down a lot mentally. Um, there's there's several days sometimes where I'm like, I don't necessarily want to kill myself, but I'm like, Jesus, man, I just want a break. That's just what I feel oh, like. Oh, yeah. Like, God, can I just get five minutes of just some peace and silence? I don't have to worry about anything. Like, just everybody just leave me alone. Or I'm just disgusted with myself, whether it be I'm not fat, but I'm definitely – a little overweight for my liking. You're handsome. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I I do have some body issues. Uh, that's one thing I struggle with. So I get in my head about that. I'm currently single. That bothers me every day. Like that, uh, you know, I'd, I want a relationship almost so bad I can't see straight. But that's part of the reason why I'm not trying to date anybody because – I mean, I clearly I'm not ready for it. 
but maybe soon. Oh, hopefully soon. We'll get applications out there. <laughs> uh, but you know, so I just, I just hunker down usually. Like I'll look up David Goggins if anybody's ever heard of him. He's he's a really good motivator. Joe Rogan's a big inspiration to me. I love listening to his podcast. Um, he's been very influential. He doesn't know it obviously, but he's been very influential in my life. Um, these guys really motivate me when I'm feeling down to get back in the gym, you know, double down at work, work harder, do what I need to do to fix my issues. Um, but ultimately I'm on personal encouragement because nobody else is going to do it for me. I've got to do it. So I've got to right the wrongs in my life and you know, whatever issues I have, they're mine to face. So I'm going to get it done. That's just the way I look at it. Now that's not everybody's uh, viewpoint and that's okay, but that's just the way I like to take my problems head on. Yeah. And that's, that's what we're here to do. We're here to talk about these things and, and tell you guys, I mean, always look for something good. You have your encouragements. And if you guys don't have a personal encouragement, again, contact us. This podcast is literally Daily Affirmation Podcast. It is a podcast that is meant to encourage you. So if you can't find the will in your own. If you need somebody to talk to, just reach out to us. Yeah. Every single one of us is willing to talk. Um, you know, we each have our own experiences, so we may be able to talk a little bit better about one topic than the other, but we'll, we'll try. Yeah. We'll do I, our best. And that's one of my favorite things is just to hear. Like sometimes we won't even talk. We just want to listen because there's nothing sweeter than feeling like you're finally heard. And we're not your parent. Hopefully we're your friend. And heck, we might even be your sibling. I don't know because who knows who's listening. But we're here for you guys. We would not be doing this if it wasn't for you. We're not doing this for our own entertainment. I mean, we're not. We're here to do this for you. And Zeb's guess, clearly not entertained at all. Yeah, Zeb has been so blank faced and just thought I'd keep my cool. Mr. <laughs> I'm wide awake. I work the third shift. Are you pissed off right now or are you really excited? I'm I'm in the You're in between. I am I'm the in between. What I strive to be always is perfectly balanced. Well, you know, as all things must be. A good yeah. saying. Thank you, Thanos. Yeah. To bring back Colton Rude, you know what something good came out of him? A good saying that he used to say. Oh. And it's better to be pissed off than pissed on. My grandfather says that all the time. So, I mean, I mean that's that is something he said all the time. And I remember the first time he told me, I was so mad and it made me furious. <laughs> it took me from like baby cranked up to being like, I want, I'm ready to fight. Like, I'm ready to throw hands. My name's Chris and I'm angry. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah. guys, we have been talking for over an hour. Oh, wow. I'm proud. It's an hour and three minutes. Longest episode you have. Yeah, so the next episode shooting for two. I'm just kidding. Whoa. But the reason why it's been an hour, and it, it actually is really cool to me, is because if, number one, it feels like it's been 15 minutes. But number two, we have a lot of things that we've went through. that, And for me, I'm not speaking for them, too. They can obviously say what they want. For me, this platform is also good because there's a lot of things that I haven't really got to talk about in my own life that I would like to talk to other people about. And it's good to talk to these guys and you to be able to pour out things in my life that I just I've dealt with and that in Dempsey I remember when he was going through that stuff with his grandmother he wasn't a wall but he was really quiet and I remember it took a few times of asking him like hey are you okay did where he finally was like you know you know I'm just letting you know man like stuff in my grandmother's going on she's dying and it's hard and I remember being like dude I get it I promise you I do my grandfather died it took years for him, and his body had been shut down for years, and watching him go through that was awful. I mean, he wasn't even the same person, and it was awful. And so, but to wrap things up, um, going into 2022, uh, we just want to tell you guys, try to have that focus on good. Hopefully, 2022 is the year for you, and it's the year of growth. It's going to be a year of enjoyment, for some people, relationships, new relationships, maybe finding that person that you're going to marry and spend your life with. For other people, it could be your career, finding out your job, finding the place that you're meant to be. For some of you, it could be having your first child or you're getting married. 
or you're getting engaged or it can be anything. I mean, I, I pray and I hope that you guys see the good in everything in your life coming up in this year. So that way you can be your own encouragement and you can be an encouragement to someone else. You know? Man, Amen. this is fun. Wow. So, guys. See you next time. As see usual, you next time. Any, uh, any words to sign us off? Find your focus. Stay positive. And we'll see you guys next time.